Hey, what's good, everybody? My name is Henry C. Murphy, and you are locked in to the God Bless the Entrepreneur podcast, where we talk about business, finance, stewardship, and the journey of entrepreneurship. Let's get it in. Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to the God Bless the Entrepreneur podcast. It doesn't matter if you're in your car, walking the dog, at a coffee shop, at the gym, on the jog, or creating in your own profession. Thanks for listening. Yo, what's good, everybody? Happy Wednesday, man. Listen, hey, this is hump day. But you know what, man? It, it's crazy. Um, I was thinking about something, right? Uh, you know, this is, this is kind of working theory, right? I think about uh, Saturday being the Sabbath and God resting on the Sabbath. But that meant, man, he started working on a Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, man, I really want to begin to change my mindset to start start my work week on Sundays and not Mondays. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, when we work, usually how it is, is like Monday is the beginning of the work day. And it's almost like we leave a whole day out. You know what I mean? And so anyway, I'm thinking like, man, if I can learn to come off of a Saturday, right, with resting and spending time with God, um, that's not always a reality, but for the most part, I want to start resting more on Saturdays, right? And then come out the gate on Sunday, you know what I'm saying? Like just rested and refreshed and ready to go, you know what I mean? And so anyway, man, it's just a, it's a working theory, you know what I'm saying? And I, I thought that I'd share it with you, you know what I mean? So anyway, man, today, um, you know, for, for those of you who don't know, you know what I'm saying, um, I wrote I wrote the book. It's called God Bless the Entrepreneur, the first decade, man. And it's it's uh man, it takes you on a journey of my first 10 years as an entrepreneur. You know what I'm saying? The ups and the downs, the wins, the losses, man, just everything, man. Um, and it's it's a it's a great book in my opinion, bro. Like it's a really great book, man. But what I want to share with you guys today is um uh, audible chapter out of one of the books that's called Through the Blur. And the reason why I want to share this with you guys, because I want you to hear it first. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I really want you guys to hear it first. You know what I mean? Um, and it's crazy because uh, once we got to the studio and I went in and, you know, I was just supposed to read uh, read the actual script that Rob had, you know, on there. You know, we had challenges, man. Um, but man, we got this audible done. The audible came out amazing. And so I want you guys to hear the chapter first called Through the Blur. You know what I mean? And so anyway, it, it really touches on the heart of make moves or make excuses. You know what I mean? So, hey, let's tap in. Chapter eight, Through the Blur. Life is already tough without adding anything to it. My lack of discipline in my younger years left me with diabetes and health challenges. That could have literally left me for dead. But before I get into what the blur means, I just want to go back to the beginning. Before the business, the marriage, the children, the visions and dreams. And even before accepting Christ as my savior. I remember when I was younger, my mom would cook the grandest meals every day. I'm talking butter beans, fried chicken, potato salad, and these were regular dishes in our house. My friends would be jealous because mama wouldn't just cook, she would throw down. Pretty much most of my family on both sides grew up in the same neighborhood, so we were tight-knit. My grandmother and aunt who stayed around the corner prepared full-course meals every day too. 
Not to mention, my uncle owned some ice cream trucks. So food was a constant in our family. You either prepared and cooked the food, or you participated in eating the food. And saying all that, sadly, I was doomed from the start. Bad eating habits was brought to my front door at an early age. But thankfully, I was active and into basketball as a child. Otherwise, things could have been a lot worse for me. It was like a rite of passage in our family to be a good cook. And the torch was most definitely passed down to your boy. I learned to cook and I enjoyed doing it. But by then, I had already picked up some bad and unhealthy habits from family members. And these bad and unhealthy habits followed me through adulthood. I even introduced these habits to my wife and children. On top of harboring the unhealthy habits from childhood and family, I worked in the food industry at Arby's and Checkers, and that didn't help at all. I was eating fast food most of the time, not exercising, and to make matters worse, my wife was killing it on Weight Watchers. I didn't want to hinder her progress because she had lost over 60 pounds at this point, so I decided to join her. Through that program, I dropped about 50 pounds, and to this day, I had not gained all of the weight back. I often think if I didn't experience that initial weight loss, who knows where I would be today. I'm thankful I made the change because it would have been a never-ending cycle. I will never forget the day that I went into American Eagle and tried on the shirt, and it actually fit. Boy, you couldn't tell me nothing. Since there had been a time I couldn't even fit my arm in a sleeve, let alone a shirt. Fast forward a few years. As an entrepreneur with a chaotic schedule of touring and traveling across the country, my unhealthy eating habits were better, but they were still present. My day-to-day was always busy with getting up early and going to the venue, setting up, selling at the event, breaking down the booth, and then heading to the hotel to repeat the process over again. So let me go off script for a minute, man. And what I mean by this is, like, I remember one time, man, I would find myself in Detroit and then the next day we were in Cleveland and then the next day we were in Cincinnati and then we would have to travel all the way to New York and then we might do Manhattan then we might do Brooklyn and then we might shoot down to Philadelphia then Virginia y'all get the picture that was a grueling schedule and naturally I just grabbed what I could to eat fast food unhealthy food you get the picture at time I was conscious of grabbing a salad and fruits and veggies here and there but many places didn't have healthy options. So I went with what I knew. I look back on my first warning sign that I didn't even take serious about 20 years ago. I didn't make much money or have insurance. So I remember going to a free clinic when I wasn't feeling too well. That's when the first mention of diabetes came into my life. So let me go off script for a minute, man. So basically this is type two diabetes. And the crazy thing about type two diabetes, it is preventable. I feel like I got more threats than education. I was basically told, make sure you eat right or you're going to die. Your feet can get cut off and you can go blind. Okay, so maybe it wasn't told to me as harshly, but it was along those lines. The people at the free clinic aren't as patient or empathetic as a primary doctor would be. And even though I received those threats, I went back to my old eating habits for years and years because I still wasn't fully aware of what was being told to me. I have always been strong-willed, so I doubt I would have listened either way. I knew that steak, fried chicken, and mashed potatoes and gravy at midnight was a no-no. Something in me told me that I needed to change the trajectory of my life and take my health seriously. 
but it was easier said than done. I needed to change my mindset, but how? At this time, before the Lord found me, I was also a heavy weed smoker. I'm not talking about a blunt every once in a while. I was hitting 10 of them a day, no lie. Man, I could distinctively hear Biggie lyrics in the background like, I only got five blunts left to light. I'm set tonight. Man, that's the way I live. This caused me to binge eat at different times of the day and night. I'm thankful to God that my desire to smoke weed was one of the first things that he took away when I accepted salvation. Still, my weight was out of control. The biggest thing that helped me stay semi-active was traveling and constantly moving around when I became an entrepreneur. But it just wasn't enough. I remember the day when things truly began to change for me. I was coming around the curb in the mountains of Colorado and it became evident that my vision was fading. It was like the street disappeared on me. That was terrifying because all I could see was mountains in the background and I didn't want to drive off the side of the road. My father taught me how to drive at night and that was one of my favorite pastimes. But I realized quickly that I could no longer see as sharply as I once did. Obviously, night driving was no longer an option for me. Even still, I didn't know or understand the damage that was taking place in my health and in my body. This was 2019, almost 20 years after my diabetes diagnosis. When I got back to Atlanta, I vowed to go to the eye doctor. But I continued the tour. I did a two-week run with Jonathan McReynolds, traveling to Detroit, Columbus, Manhattan, and Brooklyn down the East Coast, and all the way to L.A. I finally made it to Sam's Club Optical and met with a black optometrist. She gave me a report, definitely what I was not expecting. She told me that blood vessels was now forming behind my eyes and causing me to go blind because of my diabetes. Honestly, the first thing that came to mind was, man, she don't know what she's talking about. Even though it was her occupation, I didn't believe her. Yo, let me interject real quick, man. So I want to tell you kind of what happens with diabetes. Um, so imagine a window, right? And imagine vines growing down that window. And you now can barely see out that window. All it is is peaks of light coming through that window. That's what happened when diabetes hit your eyesight. Lo and behold, she was right. I didn't want to admit it, but my vision was worse. And I could tell that the little things was different. During this time, I was on my way to my sister's engagement party. I noticed how my judgment and distance was off from the cars in front of me and around me. My perception at stopping at a light was off too. It was crazy. Mind you, at this time, I wasn't doing a whole lot of driving around the city to begin with. But for my sister's event, I was willing to take the risk. That day, it was a dark overcast which was good because there wasn't a lot of bright light coming down. But as soon as I got on the brink of Savannah, a light came out of nowhere and everything disappeared, literally. The fear in my heart at that point could not be explained. It was something that I have never felt before and something that I would never want to feel again. By the grace of God, I got safely off the road, pulled over to a gas station and figured I should check my sugar because it may be high, but that wasn't the problem. Then I called Dolly, a friend and business partner, who just talked with me about changes in the eyes. I asked her about her eyesight and if she had experienced anything similar. I tried to take a quick nap to see if that would help, 
and it did, but my eyesight was still off. Next, I called my wife, and she and my daughter had to come pick me up. I knew right then that something was wrong, and something had to be done ASAP. If that wasn't a wake-up call, I don't know what was. I know you're thinking, did this man go get checked out? Yes, I did. I finally went to a professional, y'all. And as you can imagine, the news was not good. It was worse than the diagnosis before. My right eye was pretty much gone, but the doctor said she may be able to save the left one. I had a couple of options to consider. The doctor informed me that I needed surgery and would be face down for two weeks, 45 minutes of every hour. Uh, nah, that ain't happening. Two weeks, I repeated. I can't do that, doc. I got a business to run. Would y'all believe it? I waited a whole nother year to go back. And at that point, COVID-19 was picking up the pace. Yeah, I was stubborn, foolish, and in denial. I should have known better and done better. My eyesight was even worse. And on top of that, I ended up hospitalized for three different things over the course of that time. My poor health choices since childhood was literally destroying my life as a husband, father, grandfather, and an entrepreneur. I would eventually undergo surgery on May 27th, 2021, a day after my birthday. I knew if I didn't have it then, that it was a possibility that I would lose my eyesight forever. And I couldn't have that. The doctor put oil in my eye to preserve it, to keep my retina in place. Otherwise, it would have detached and I would have gone blind. So let me interject real quick to give you an example of what happens when the oil goes into your eye. It's like seeing things through a vintage TV, like uh, watching something old. You know what I mean? That's what it's like. And that's pretty much what my vision is at this point. As I write this book and other copy for my business, as I run my programs and companies, as I record my podcasts and shoot YouTube videos, and as I grocery shop and cook dinner, I now do it with impaired vision. Hence the name of this chapter. I wear glasses now most of the time. And even still, I live life through the blur. That's my new reality. But I want to encourage you further. In my own journey, in my own mess ups with my health, in my carelessness of putting me first, the question that I would often ask myself is, do I buckle up and fold at this point? Or do I continue to push forward? I know now I must take care of myself and I cannot stop doing what I'm doing no matter how hard things get. I refuse to give up on my dreams and goals. I refuse to let the government label me and pay me to exist. And I refuse to bow down to the trials of life. My health challenges that I have overcome and will continue to overcome have given me a newfound appreciation for life. And I make a conscious effort not to take the little things for granted. I value my eyesight differently than I have ever valued anything before because I know what it feels like to go blind. So going off script for a minute, man, um, I want to put this right here because, like I said, the right eye uh, was pretty much gone. And then that day when the surgery happened, I literally could not see anything. Like I literally got the taste to feel like what it is. I literally understood what it meant to be blind. I mean, it was pitch black. It was terrifying. It was crazy, crazy scary. Everything that I do is done with gratefulness and caution. 
knowing that at any given moment, it could be taken away. Life is different now, true. And I had to find new ways to learn and to go about my business. As much as I can have certain accommodations at my fingertips, people helping me out, using voice messages, and learning things through audio instead of visuals, I also know that it is only God who can sustain me and keep me from throwing in the towel. It is only God who will give me strength, healing, and provision to keep going through the blur. So listen, man, I hope you guys really enjoyed that chapter. You know what I mean? So if you go over to henrycmurphy.com, you know, you can actually go ahead and purchase the book. Um, so you can get a package with like the book, the workbook, and you can get the audible right now. You feel what I'm saying? Like you can get the audible right now. So anyway, I appreciate you guys, man. Look, y'all know the mantra. Make moves or make excuses. Do good business and do it with integrity. Until next week, this is Henry C. Murphy. God bless the entrepreneur. Hey, thank you for tuning in to the God Bless the Entrepreneur podcast. Follow us on Instagram at God Bless the Entrepreneur. And check out our weekly blog on GodBlessTheEntrepreneur.com. Don't forget to subscribe. Talk to you next week. Salute.